أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم إذ قال يوسف لأبيه يا أبت إني رأيت أحد عشر كوكبا والشمس والقمر والشمس والقمر رأيتهم لي ساجدين قال يا بني لا تقصص رؤياك على إخوتك فيكيدوا لك كيدا إن الشيطان للإنسان عدو مبين سبحانك اللهم وبحمدك أشهد أن لا إله إلا أنت استغفرك وأتوب إليك السلام عليكم ورحمة الله and a very warm welcome to the newest episode of the Arabic with Sam podcast. In today's episode, I want us to continue the series on dialogues from the Quran. It's kind of the best of both worlds, isn't it? Lots of Arabic students want to learn sort of spoken Arabic, and they also want to learn the Quran. And these are two both uh, noble but very broad endeavors. And when we can ever double up and find little bits of dialogue in the Quran, not that it's necessarily things that you will say on the street and chit chat to each other, um, however much I like to. It doesn't really sound right for me to say to my son Yusuf, yeah, yeah. you know, you don't tend to say things like that. But nonetheless, it's very useful Arabic. And uh, we get to believe in the moment that we're learning how to sort of have back and forth in Arabic to some degree. So let me go through this word for word, inshallah, and then I'll read it again at the end for us to see how much of it we understand, inshallah. So we have, إِذْ قَالَ يُوسُفُ إِذْ means when. Okay, if, here the meaning is very similar to lemma, really here. Um, it's kind of setting the scene. When this particular thing happened, this is really common in the Qur'an. In fact, I can think of a few examples when this is even used when prophets have said something to their people. وَإِذْ قَالَ مُوسَى لِقَوْمِهِ For example, وَإِذْ اسْتَسْقَى مُوسَى There's lots, anyway. Even if those two, I'm mixing them up with something. Um, there's lots. So, when قَالَ يُوسُفُ When Yusuf, he said, لِأَبِيهِ to his ab. Here it's abihi because it's after li. Ab is from the five nouns um, where you express their case ending with a long vowel. So abu, aba, or abi. But here abi because it's after li, which is a harf jar. He said, Ya abati. Ya abati. And when you read it in the mushaf, it's kind of squished together as if it's all kind of one word. This is ya. Abeti, it's, it's two words together. The ya is o, ab is father, and the ti is a way of, of making something a term of endearment here. Ya abeti. The Prophet Ibrahim alayhi salam, it comes from him in the Quran as well. Ya abeti. Uh, well, how is it in, um, in the story of Ibrahim alayhi salam? I'm trying to think of the ayah. Um, ya abeti inni qad ja'ani min al ilmi ma lam ya'tika fattabi'ani. Ahdika sirata mustaqima, he says. Ya abati, he says to him, Oh my, my, my dear father. Ya abati inni, ya abati inni qad ja'ani. Indeed it has come to me. Knowledge has come to me that didn't come to you. So follow me and I'll guide you to a straight path. I love learning about how the prophets spoke to their fathers. I've always had a very, very close um, relationship with my father. I love him dearly and I, I love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to guide him to Islam. I even have this mug. I have this Jaguar mug on my desk because my dad um, worked for Jaguar. That was his, like, um, he was a specialist in Jaguars um, as a, when I was growing up. I used to go down to his garage, even as a small child, and he'd be drinking coffee out of this. And, um, yeah, anyway, so I have, like, a bit of a love for the company Jaguar. In fact, if you look at the Sam Martin Burr website, 
um, the font and the color that I use are directly from that from the Jaguar brand. From uh, the Jaguar brand's tra changed a lot now, but this is like when he started working for them in the eighties. That same font and that same color, as well as the San Martin Burr green and the font. Um, but anyway, I digress again. Yeah, Abeti, oh my dear father, inni ra'aitu. Certainly, I have ra'aitu. I have seen from the verb ra'a, meaning to see ra'aitu. I saw ahada ashara. I saw 11. Ahada ashara. 11. Kaukaben. Okay, so a kaukab, this is something that's often confused in the translations. We translate this to stars. And in the story, we know it as being him seeing 11 stars, but a, a kaukab, in kind of general use of Arabic, a kaukab doesn't have any burning in it. A kaukab is a planet. We, we learn about al-kawakib fin nidham shamsi, the planets in the solar system, and nidham shamsi. The, the solar system. And interestingly, from an Arabic language perspective here, kawkab um, is singular. We're saying 11 planet. And that's a habit of the Arabic language. It's In fact, when you use numbers in Arabic, the only numbers that you use a plural with are the numbers from 3 to 10. So what, what I mean by that is I would say, I'd say one mug, two, two, we use the dual for that, two mugs. And then you'd say three mugs, four mugs, up to 10 mugs. And then all the numbers above that is 11 mug, a million mug, eight bazillion mug, right? All of the other numbers, we use the singular. So we have here, ahada ashara kawkaben, 11 kawkaben, 11 planeten, um, in the monsoub, of course. Washamsa, and the sun, in the monsoub as well, because this is the mefra'ul bihi, it's the object of ra'aytu. Ashamsa wal qamara, the sun and the moon. Ra'aytu hum, I saw hum. Li sajidin to me, prostrating. Now, there's a couple of really interesting grammar points here. We know that we treat non-human plurals as feminine singular. For example, if we're talking about moons, for example, we'd say akmar, you know, whatever, right? Akmar, mudita, for example. Um, the akmar are not mudita, but it's just an example, guys. All right, don't come for me. The people who are, who are into the um, the astrophysics, all right. But mudi um, it means it's like glowing, right? Okay, so the the moon would say mudi ah. We would use the feminine for that because it's a, not a human. So why in this passage here do we use ra'aytu hum? We use a human plural. We use a hum that we would use for a group of humans. And sajidin, we don't say ra'aytu ha li sajidah. That's when you would expect from things that are not humans. But of course, we learn later in the story that this is metaphorical for Yusuf's mother and his father and his 11 brothers. is metaphorical for humans, so there's sort of human grammar uh, projected onto them. And although the rule is that non-human plurals are feminine singular, um, it's very common in Arabic poetry to use this as a tool of personification in poetry as well, to use, give them a human plural as if they were humans. Very nice. And then kind of on this point as well, as we're coming up to the month of Ramadan, this is a beautiful reminder and a reason why, why we actually named my eldest son Yusuf. Personally, I didn't really like the name Yusuf. I, I thought too many people call their kids Yusuf. They get it because they, they know that Prophet Yusuf was handsome and they want the kids to be handsome. A lot of people choose the name. I, I kind of felt like for not, not, very, um, not very meaningful um, reasons. And it's also easy for like English people to say, not that's a bad thing, but um, I don't know, anyway, there was a part of me that didn't really want the name Yusuf, but my wife did. And um, I wanted a name that represents a bit more strength, or Umar, or Musa. I wanted one of those names, or Muawiyah, 
But um, or Muawiyah, that's another name, a man's name that ends in a Ta'mat Bota. Anyway, so, um, and then um, just before, it was just before Ramadan, because my son was born um, in, like, on the first or second of Ramadan. And um, I went to Jumu'ah just before this, and there was a khutbah about the analogy between the Prophet Yusuf السلام, and his 11 brothers, and the month of Ramadan and the other 11 months. And, um, you know, the same way that the 11 brothers, they need to come to Yusuf السلام, for help. And the other, our deeds, ourselves, the accumulation of our other 11 months, we come to the month of Ramadan in need and in, in need of help. So it's, it's much like that. And um, from hearing that, I, I took that as a sign for me that Yusuf, as he, as he was born in Ramadan, was a, was a good name for our son Yusuf. Anyway, let's continue. قَالَ يَا بُنَيَّ He said, يَا بُنَيَّ يَا means O, and the بُنَي, بُنَيٌ, is a little ibn, is a little son. يَا بُنَيَّ But the يَا on the end is what happens when we have an E for my, after an E on the word generally. So I'll give you another example. So let's say, for example, tea, for example, we say shay, shay for tea. If we say mighty, we can't really say shay, just like here we don't, we can't really say bunay. So we say shay for mighty, much like we say bunay for my little son. Lots of languages do this. They make like a diminutive the same thing as an, a term of endearment as well. And, and I know lots of languages do it, but like you, you probably will have heard, I mean, um, just in movies and stuff, like they use like ita on the end of words in Spanish as well, abuelita, my little grandmother, abuelita. It doesn't mean that she's little necessarily, it's that she's dear to you. You, you, you call her an ita um, or ito if it's a, a man. Anyway, it's not a Spanish lesson. I'll get back to it. So, so, but how have we got Bunaya from Ibn? So, this is a pattern for the Tasghir, for the diminutive. Um, Bunay is much like the name Hussein, if you think about the, the vowel change. So, Ibn to Bunay is much like Hassan to Hussein. Okay, it's what we call the diminutive. It's the little version of, of something else. Or, or we have the word Esed, meaning a lion. A Usaid is a, a lion cut. I mean... It's a little lion. You can use that as a word for a cub. There's another word for cub. The word shibl in Arabic is a, is a cub. But um, asad usaid, or even a kelb, a little dog or a puppy, kulayb. Yeah, so that's the sort of pattern that you can use to form the diminutive. Oh, my little son, ya bunayya, la taqsus. Do not, do not narrate. Um, maybe, let me think, it must be a verb, qassa yaqussu, la taqsus. Okay, that's what's going on, because it's a negative imperative. Do not taqus, do not tell the qissa, do not give the story, do not tell the story. But when we end up with a sukun on the end, like we do in the jezm, and that includes the negative imperative here, we end up needing to split up the two sards that were together. In the word qissa and the verb yaqussu, yaqus, if we have a sukun on the end, for example, if we say lam yaqus, he didn't tell the story. We, we can't really have a sukun on a shenda. We're not splitting up the, the, the two, the two sards that have the shenda on them, right? So you end up with la taqsus. We see this many times in the Quran. There's, there's another, there's an example I'll give you from uh, Surah Maryam, where Maryam salam says, lam yamsesni bashar. A man hasn't touched me. Lam yamses. From the messa yamessu. But we can't say lam yames, lam yamesni. It's lam yamsesni. We split up the two scenes. So we can put a sukun on one of them. 
Very nice. So, la taqsus, do not tell the story of ru'iyaka, of your ru'iya, of your vision, ala ikhwatika, upon your brothers. Why? Fayakidu laka kayda. So they will, the verb kada yakidu, meaning to plot. They will plot to you a plotting. They will plot to you a plotting. This is something in uh, grammar that we call al-mafrul al-mutlaq. The, it, yeah, what on earth is that in English? In English, if we did it in English, it would sound like this. I study Arabic along studying. I teach Arabic a, a loving teaching. I, um, this is the example all Arabic teachers give. I hit him a severe hitting. ضَرَبَهُ ضَرَبًا شَدِيدًا and this is actually very common in the Qur'an. Surah Al-Fatih, Allah uses it. إِنَّا فَتَحْنَا لَكَ فَتْحًا مُبِينًا Indeed, we have opened for you a clear opening. So what it is, is where you use the mustard of a verb. Um, and then you describe the mustard rather than describing the verb. So it's kind of like an adverbial, but you're not describing the verb. You're describing the mustard of the verb. So we're not saying, Allah, Allah gave you a clear victory. You know, I mean... Grammatically, this doesn't sound quite right, but but just bear with me for the example. If Allah had said, إِنَّا فَتَحْنَا لَكَ مُبِينًا We have opened for you clearly. Versus, we have opened for you a clear opening. Right? We're using clear to describe the opening. right? Or the victory is what this means. But I don't want to confuse it with us knowing the verb فَتَحَا meaning to open. Anyway, يَكِيدُوا لَكَ كَيْدًا They plot, plot to you a plotting. إِنَّ الشَّيْطَانَ Indeed, shaytana is lil insana, is to al insana, is to mankind. Aduun is an adu. Aduun, plural a'da, is an enemy. Aduun, mubinun. Oh, there was a mubin in the inna fatahna laka fatahan mubina example I gave. And that's, that's the first ayah from Surah Al Fatah, uh, Surah 48 in the Quran, I believe, off the top of my head. Forgive me if I'm wrong, but it's, it's, it's thereabouts. Good, yeah, mubin, meaning crystal clear, very clear, manifest, almost, we can translate it as. We, for more clear and more general sense, you can say something is wadah. You know, if I say, is this clear? You say wadah, wadah. It is very clear. It is wadah. Yes, very nice. What else did I want to say? I suppose I want to end on the reminder that inna shaytana lana aduun mubin. That shaytan is our worst enemy, is our clear, manifest enemy. And these days, when the world is so divided, I think, and it's so easy to get into heated arguments and to um, dismiss other people as being stupid or not being educated or seeing the world in a stupid way, I think the world is becoming more like that and more divided. We should remember that these people are not our clear enemy. Shaytan is our clear enemy. So I ask you before, you have a sharp tongue and you're harsh towards other humans, then remember to take arms against Shaytan because he is our sworn enemy. See you guys in the next episode of the Arabic with Sam podcast. And may Allah bless you, bless you guys with the most beautiful Arabic. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.